Welcome to Kashmir's on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine. And tonight's show is, I think, very interesting, pretty interesting, I've, something I've never really done before. And we're preparing, of course, for Pesach. We're going to be discussing some things that take place at the Seder. And if there's a little extra time, we'll go back into how to prepare the kitchen. I, I didn't want to do that because we've done it a few times already, and I wanted to talk about something a little bit different, maybe we haven't really talked about before, which is about, about the actual mitzvah of matzah at the Seder. Now, next week in Yitzhak Hashem, we hope to have with us our annual guest, uh, Rabbi Rabinowitz from the OU, who's going to come and answer all your questions about individual uh, products. Uh, obviously, he's most familiar with the OU, but he's... Uh, very knowledgeable in the whole area of Pesach products, and we and you'll be able to answer any questions you have. If you'd like to, you could call or text to me any questions in advance, or else you can call in next week. The telephone number to call in tonight, if you want to speak to us, is 718-683-5858. You can call in and, call and speak to me on whatever topic you're interested in dealing, dealing with Pesach. But really, next week, we'll discuss the products and uh, you can scribble down that number, 718-683-5858. You, uh, also, you can you listen to us on a few different numbers, um, the 712-432-4217, the 718-506-9099, and there's a third number. What's the third number? You have it? The third number? 720, what's the, what's the rest of it? 787-1046. Okay, so those are the numbers you can reach the listen to the show at. And of course, you have the, you have the J-Wood app, etc. Uh, tonight's topic is going to be about the matzah at the Seder. There's really a lot to talk about about matzah. And I'm just going to give you one little thought that I heard from Rabbi Fran recently, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, matzah, there are different... Uh, there are different parts of the Seder. There's the Avdus and the Cherus. There's, there's the uh, servitude and the freedom. And uh, there are different symbols. We have the symbol of the, the, the you know, of, of, uh, of the Maror, which is obviously a symbol of the suffering. And we have uh, other other symbols of the Seder, and uh, the Karpas, and etc. And Matzah actually has both sides to it. It's Avdus and it's Cheres. It's Avdus because we ate matzah when we were slaves in Mitzrayim. We were forced to eat that, and we didn't have the opportunity to have lechem. And when they left, they also ate matzah. When there wasn't time, Hashem had rushed us out, and Hashem wanted and then had the, the dough on their backs, and it turned to the matzah. And so that was the, uh, both the symbolism of the slavery and the freedom. And Rabbi Fran asked the question, an obvious question. Well, why are they both uh, in matzah? I mean, maybe we, you know, Kaddish Baruch could have uh, given us a little time and, you know, let's have a nice meal. You know, we're on the road now. We're in his hands. Have something festive. You know, celebration. Um, why, why is it that we're having the matzah? So he said a very interesting thing. He said, actually, the point is 
that we can be happy with matzah. We thought we, matzah is so terrible, we're stuck in, we're enslaved in Mitzrayim, and, and it's a symbol of uh, slavery. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu turned around and said, no, it's a symbol of freedom. It's all in how you look at it. If you look at it the right way, then matzah could be a symbol of freedom. It's just, a, he tells a story about, uh, I don't know if it's proverbial or real story, that somebody asked boy, some boys, some young boys, um, what, they, what would they prefer? Would they prefer to be, uh, I mean, these are the two choices, you understand, poor and happy or rich and unhappy. And they all chose to be rich and unhappy because they figured, if I'll be rich, I'll be happy. And if I'm not rich, I won't be happy. But he said that, that that wasn't the question. The question is, would you rather be poor and happy or rich and unhappy? Those are the only two choices. And they didn't hop it. They didn't understand that the case was where you won't be, you will be rich and you won't be happy. Or you could be poor and you could be happy. And they just couldn't comprehend how that could be true. But, you know, we go into the sukkah on sukkahs, and it's yom simchasein, zman simchaseinu. It's that time of happiness. We're going into a little sukkah. And not, you know, we're bringing all the, all the grain in, but we're not enjoying it in the house. We, we can show that we can be happy in the little sukkah. And on Pesach, we eat the matzah, and we show that we can be happy with the matzah, and that we don't need a seven-layer cake or a piece of pizza in order to be happy. Very interesting symbolism. Very, very interesting. So when you choose the matzahs, I mean, listen, this is one area I've spoken about before. It may be too late for some of you, but it's still on time for a lot of people, and I spoke to people recently, and, and they did listen to me. Get yourself the best matzahs for the Seder, for the for the mitzvah of matzah. Get yourself the best matzahs. I don't mean how it tastes. You know, we, we just said over here how the taste is not the point. The point is the, the simcha and the appreciation of what matzah represents. What's the best matzah? The one that has the most kashras to it. Which one is that? I can't tell you. Everybody has different standards and different things that they're interested in. The person wants, you know, hand matzahs, so then they're going to pick the best hand matzahs you can get which I personally think is a chabura matzah. And then you have, uh, you, have you have people who are, who, who are, who buy uh, a, a machine, a machine matzahs. Most people don't eat machine matzahs for the mitzvah of matzah because it's, it has to be baked with the machine matzahs mitzvah, which is a little hard to do when you're pushing buttons and, and there's machinery involved. So uh, some people hold it should be but only the hand matzahs for, for the Seder, or at least for the uh, mitzvahs of matzah. But there are people who hold the machine matzah made better. We had a whole article on it about how the, the, the matzahs today in some of the bakeries are made on a very, very high level. And there are also chaburas on machine matzahs. So you find yourself, I'm not going to tell you which one to get, but you'll find yourself the best matzahs for the Seder. What you use for the rest, that's a different cheshpan, but for the, for the matzah's mitzvah, get yourself the best. Let's start off with that. And a tip, pay for it. No, nah, it's going to go after the umpire. No, 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 no. 
you want the mitzvah, buy, the, buy it now. Otherwise, there's a big question mark if you're going to get the mitzvah. The guy who didn't pay for the lulav and esrig, I'll, I'll take care of you after Yom Tov. No, 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 no. Pay now. It's the same thing. A guy gets married. We ask him, is this your ring? Sure, my father gave Your father gave it to you. Your father bought it. Come here. Do, are you giving this to him? Oh, okay. It's his, yours now? Lift it up. Okay, now it's yours. Now you can give it to the young lady. You, you want to do a mitzvah? It's got to be yours. Pay for it. Now, you didn't, if they paid for it uh, with, a, with a credit card, oh, no. You don't use credit cards for these mitzvahs. Better not even a check, better cash. I don't, I don't say you have to get a, you know, uh, silver coins from the 1970s. No, I'm not talking about that. But you have to, be, you have to pay with something that's really considered kesef, that you bought it. The Kenyan has to be with the Kenyan kesef. With a, a check is a promise. Maybe that's legally valid. It's very hard today because checks can't be deposited by somebody else. You can't easily uh, give it to anybody else who, who was written to. But and then uh, the credit card is only like a, a collection service. It it isn't really that valid yet. There's, you can uh, question it and and you get charged back. It's not it's not a partial thing. A check and a credit card. Buy your matzahs. Pay for them in advance. Now they're yours. By the way, somebody came to your table. Make sure that you, when you're giving out matzahs, that you are giving it as a matana, belay sholem, whatever it is. You know, not just take what you want. <laughs> Better you should say, yeah, designating or or here. So this is for everybody at the table. You know, I'm giving. I mean, a little bit, a little bit more concerned for the fact that people should actually own their mitzvahs, just like when you when it happens in the house. I always talk about this. I'm poor. People maybe get the message from Purim, so maybe you can hear it here as well. How do the kids and the wife get the mitzvah of Sholof Manas? Well, they give out one of the packages. Whose packages are they? They're yours, the owner, the Baal Bias of the house. It's his money, even though his wife put it together with the girls. But and they beg things, but really it belongs to the Baal Bias. So he really has to designate this is for you. Give this away, whoever you want. Here's a few of these. Take this. Take any one you want. Set it up. Make a Kenyan, whatever. Now it's yours. Okay. You can give it to whoever you want. Want five of them? Take five of them. But but at least make sure that the person had at least one of them that they, she she owned. Because she's giving away something that's hers. Same thing even with a kid. A little kid. You're giving away. I don't know. You want to train him in the mitzvah. Let him have it. something that's his. You, you want to do a mitzvah. The first order of business is it should be yours. And it's not a big Kiddush, I'm telling you. And you'll see it comes up again and again and again in life. Okay, so now you, you chose the matzah, and we paid for it. Okay. Now, what's next? Well, let's decide how we're going to do this mitzvah of matzah. So I'm going to tell you a little bit what I have in my booklet, because we my booklet is from, uh, uh, from, the, from the, basically from, uh, from, from the, from the Mishnah Brewer, we put together a number of years ago, and uh, the Mishnah Brewer hasn't changed in that time. <laughs> the real Mishnah Brewer, there's a lot of other things that happen around it, but the real Mishnah Brewer hasn't changed. If you look it up in our 2019 5779, 
2019 Passover Guide in Conscious Magazine. So we go through it on page 46, and here are a couple of things that we point out. Now, you have to understand, there's an old, there's an old issue. I, I don't know if you, if you have the booklet. It's interesting to look at the very beginning of the Seder Guide. We have two pictures of the Seder plate, one uh, that Moshe Feinstein's name is attached to, and one from the Arizal. People have different minhagim. But the interesting thing is, and this is really, people don't know it. And I didn't know it until somebody informed me who was a Talmud from Rav Moshe, and we changed it in the, in the booklet. We wrote down that even though we are using, according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, that the three matzahs go together on the uh, Seder plate in the middle with the maru and charosas above and karpas and meimeleth below, in the order that you actually come to them. But I wrote there that Ramosha Feinstein had a different custom. He only had two matzahs instead of three matzahs. So that's something that <laughs> well, most everybody has, the three matzahs, and then they let go of the third matzah. The minigit, what you, what you do is you, you hold on to, you've you broken the middle matzah. So that's the broken one. The top one is whole, the bottom one is whole. Now, nobody actually knows which is the, the one you're being, making the bracha of Al-Achilas Matzah on. The bracha, we make two brachas, and Al-Achilas Matzah. But when we, when we make those brachas, we, we're making it on which one. Hamotzi could be on any piece. It doesn't make a difference. But the, but the bracha of Al-Achilas Matzah, it's not clear which it's going on. Is it going on the whole one? Because you're really make, supposed to make it on the whole one. On the other hand, the mitzvah tonight is on Lechem Oni, the broken one. So it's not clear among the Rishonim, and therefore the Minig is that we break, that we lift those two matzahs, and we let go of the third one that's whole, because we need two matzahs for the Lechem Mishnah, and we're going to have the top one is the, is the one we're using for the, for the mitzvah of matzah, together with the broken one in the middle, and then the bottom one we're going to use for Karach. And, of course, the other half of the, the big half of the middle matzah is going to be saved for Afikoman, and you don't see it now. In fact, it might have been stolen already. Or whatever you do, maybe you hide it. Different than hugging. So it's out of sight. It's, uh, it's suffering. So what, what are we going to do now? So we're making hamotzi and alchilis matzah, and we're eating these two matzahs. Now, how much do you have to eat? Well, we always know that achila is always a kezayas, whatever a kezayas is, we're going to discuss in a second. So a kezayas is the, the amount you're supposed to eat. But we have two matzahs. So do we need two kezayasim, or do we need a kezayas conglomerate? So the decision is basically we're supposed to try to shoot for two kezayasim, if you can possibly eat it. Because uh, 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 people who are not going to do that will still fulfill a mitzvah, the raisa of avachilas matzah, at least according to most opinions, and that's fine, but the minig, or whatever you want to say, the halacha is that we have two kezayasim, and then, of course, you can't eat it, especially one kezayas, but we eat it together. There's different ways that people eat it together. Some people try to eat it that they eat a kezayas of the top matzah and a kezayas of the middle matzah, and they get it all into their mouth at one time and then start to swallow it which doesn't sound like to me that it can be done. But everything, that's what they're saying. 
And the other way is that you consume uh, uh, part of the, the, the top, let's say the top one, and then afterwards the, the middle one. But that's not what the Minika Olam is. The Minika Olam is we eat a little bit of both of them, and we eat, you know, whatever they gave us as the double kezayis, and we eat that, and we're not sort of figuring out that I had number one, I had number two. We don't get lost in that. that. So let's just go back a step and, and ask, what is this kezayis that we're talking about? Now, that kezayis is obviously an unknown thing. I remember when I was a a bacher, I went to a Rosh Hashiva's house, famous Rosh Hashiva. And I'm not going to be able to details, but there was nobody there but my, the Rebbets and the Rosh Hashiva and myself. Don't ask me how I got there and whatever. The whole story, an interesting story. Not for tonight. But I was there alone with Rosh Hashiva and the Rebbets. This is a world's renowned Rosh Hashiva. And he took the matzah there was no, in those days, nobody measured matzahs. Nobody. That's how old I am, you see? <laughs> nobody measured matzahs. Today, I have a chart in my magazine, and you can buy them in the store, but I have it part of my magazine, page 51, exactly the size to make your matzah. Of course, and the moror, and I got it all figured out for you, based upon Ramosha Feinstein's, uh, actually, it was David Feinstein who did the work. And on page 50, I have Rav David Feinstein's words, and then on 51, I have the, the chart. And, and the, this chart is very helpful for machine matzahs, because machine matzahs are standardized. They, more or less, they're standardized. <laughs> I don't think they have to be, but they're basically all the same size, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, more or less uh, the same weight, etc. You can see from the beginning of the package, they're very uh, average, it's like in an uh, one and, and a quarter ounces or something like that, or one ounce, whatever the number is. So um, this is how much you have to have. Most people hold you have to have three quarters of a machine matzah and half of a hand matzah to be a kazayas. That's a lot. But that that is the large shear. So what happens is it, it, the large shear is almost double the smaller size. So therefore, the half a matzah represents on one level one kazayas on the kumradika side, because we don't know exactly how, how, how big the kazayasim are. They may have gotten smaller over the generations. So we use a huge size, but that's enough to fulfill having part of it from the top matzah and part of it from the middle matzah. So in effect, we're having the same thing. We're having the supersize, the king-size kezayis, which is a double of the regular one. And we're saying that that really is one kezayis of the top and one kezayis of the middle. So we're ending up eating two kezayisim, but, but, but we're really saying that just to be, it's really just a, a, a king-size kezayis. So that means this is the minig oilam. That we take for the mitzvah of matzah, we take let's say a half of a machine of a uh, of a, uh, a hand matzah, or three quarters of a machine matzah. The actual numbers are a little bit different. It's uh, seven inches by four inches for would be for kairach, and uh, seven inches by six inches and three quarter inch and three eighths inches, about about seven and a, about seven by six and a half inches 
is the amount of matzah for Shlis matzah and not the Komen. Just take a look at the pictures in the, in the magazine. And the, the point is that we end up eating a large shear for the first mitzvah, for koirach, which is, we take the murrah and the, and the matzah together, you only have half that size. And then for afikomen, which is a big shiloh of whether that's the real mitzvah of matzah, on the Seder night, we eat the same size we had at the beginning, which is a double size. So that's how it ends up, uh, what we're supposed to be eating on the night of Pesach, with, and it, hopefully there's a little room left for the soup and the canadles, and if you don't have canadles, uh, you know, whatever, chicken, meat, whatever you're eating on, on the night of the Seder. Now, this is what you have to eat, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a large amount. Not everybody can do it. And uh, people have to be reasonable. If a, a, an old person or a sick person, they have to know that there's a, a shear. Uh, this is a large, I'm giving the large numbers here, but you could, uh, if you can't eat that much, maybe somebody else should make the bracha of a fios matzah and be mozi you, and you eat as much as you can. Another eitzah for a person who has difficulty would be to take the matzah, take matzah meal. Many people hold they can use matzah meal. Obviously, it has to be there when you make the hamotzi and you have to mine, whatever it is. Okay, fine, but you could use matzah. And matzah meal, by the way, is very hard to be uh, done properly. You know, So it should really be matzah meal that you made yourself because buying the matzah meal ready-made it's not going to get all the heat durum of the regular matzah. You really should, if you can, do it yourself. We used to break it down and make our own matzah meal all the time. So, again, if you need matzah meal, so then you, I suggest taking it from whatever the regular matzahs you bought and making it yourself by banging it and prepare that in advance and put it into a little schnapps jigger, which is about an, an ounce. All you need is 1.1 ounces to be outside the mitzvah of Achilles Matzah, and it shouldn't be very hard at all. Another thing you could do, if it's difficult, a child or an older person, person with difficulty uh, chewing and swallowing, is to use water, to, put, to, 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 to soak the matzah in water for a, a very short period of time, not, not uh, 20 minutes, a half an hour, just put it in, dunk it in a little bit, and that would be one thing you could do. And my Rebbe, Rabbi Hashem and Zatzal, used to give the Eitzah of that or of drinking some water in between the matzah, which is something that anybody could take advantage of unless you have special hakpadis about, uh, you know, kabrachs. Uh, but if uh, regular uh, people who are not makpid on that, so this uh, drinking water would be uh, no problem. It's not mavat vatam, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is how my Rebbe, Rabbi Hashem and Zatzal taught that anybody could use to drink water or to dunk their matzahs if they haven't, haven't got a problem with kabrachs, to dunk the matzahs for a, bit, for a brief time, or to drink water in between. And the other eights of which is brought in many svarim is the idea of using matzah meal. So, okay, so this, is, this takes care a little bit about the, the basic topic of, uh, of, of, of eating the matzah. Now, the only thing we didn't discuss that's very, very important is how fast to do this thing. So this, this separates all of us. You know, there's a couple of people, when I was a kid, that's how old I am, 
they broke the four-minute mile. I don't know what it's up to today, but in my day, somebody broke through and he got a, a mile under four minutes. He could run a mile under four minutes. So there are some people out there who can break the four-minute matzah. They can eat in less than four minutes. In fact, they can eat in less than three minutes. In fact, they're going to beat the two minutes because two minutes is the fastest pace you have to have. Two minutes to eat all of what we talked about. There's double kazayas. There's half a matzah. So the trick is, how are you going to do it in two minutes? You start nibbling it, it'll take at least five. What you have to do is you have to chew and chew and don't swallow. And from the time you start swallowing, the two minutes starts. So chew as much as you can in your mouth. And let it get, you know, into very small pieces. You put as much in as you can. And it should be a combination of the middle matzah and the top matzah. And those people who are at the table, who are not making, who are not running the Seder, they have to also have part of the middle matzah and part of the top matzah. So you can put some on a plate. And there's a whole discussion about how you hand out those matzahs. Some people finish the whole tukazesim, and everybody is sitting there with their hands washed and can't say a word and can't do a thing. And they wait for him to recline and chew and chew, and they're watching him and watching him. And eventually, when he swallows it, the one who runs the Seder, then he passes everything out to everybody. And other people, uh, you know, uh, what they do is they pass it out before everything starts, and that everybody has the kazaisim. They have their kazayas for hum, double kazayas for hamotzi. They have their piece for karech, maybe. I don't think they have to have that, but okay, let's say they have the piece for karech. They have the maror. They have it all <laughs> stacked up somewhere. And, you know, then they're ready to go. And then what does the man who makes the seder do? He puts a, he puts some pieces left over on the plate, uh, a little bit from the from the top matzah, a little from the middle matzah, and you take a little piece of it and put it together with your matzah that he gave you before we started in, in the hamotzi, before the whole thing happened, and this way everybody starts together, which is the nicest way to do it. But again, there's different minhagim. I know that there's different minhagim I saw in this far, and I'm sure they're well practiced. <laughs> So now we're back to the time. We're still racing for the time here. So here he's chewing, and he's chewing, and he's chewing, and he's got the two matzahs in his mouth, or as much as he could possibly get in at the same time. I don't believe anybody could do the two matzahs. That, I mean, the, 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 a whole half a matzah, chew, chew, uh, chew it up and have it all in your mouth at one time and slowly swallow it. I think they, it, it would be close to impossible. But again, I told you there, in my day, they bit, they beat the, the four-minute mile, and I'm sure somebody's going to meet the, beat the two-minute matzah. And then you swallow it, hopefully, within two minutes. But that's like a very hard thing, two minutes, especially when we doubled up the matzah. Remember, we really gave you double shear. That in Torah, you only have to do the kazayas. And we gave you two kazayas because of a double problem we had. One is, which is the one the mozi, the, the alchilas matzah goes on? And we, so we want you to have a, ma, a kazayas of both. And we also want you to have a big kazayas because we're not sure about the, the, whether the, 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 uh, the olives got smaller. So because of all this confusion, what we decided to do, not me, <laughs> is that 
we, we're going to eat this big amount. Now, is two minutes the right amount? So two minutes is the smallest shear. But Moshe Feinstein uses the numbers three or four minutes, which means he doesn't know. There are other numbers, and the highest number that's commonly used is nine minutes. So that means that the old sick person, the kid, the child, should know that we have nine minutes. And that is really have to be the cutoff point. Nine minutes is a long time. And we're not, especially the person who's old or sick or the child who has difficulty swallowing and chewing, etc. We have methods to make it easier for you, which we said is that uh, matzo meal or dunking into water or swallowing water with it. We don't have to have the super king size uh, kazayas in order to fulfill the, the mitzvah uh, for an older sick person who finds it difficult. They they can make they if they can't they they'll have the small they'll have a small size like you have bakara, which is also to be considered to be a kazayas. It's not the double size, correct? But it's certainly a thing that would be considered a kazayas. So all year round we're using that as our kazayas. So that would be certainly uh, could be done in nine minutes. Yes, they could be easily done by by even an older person, a sick person, uh, but they don't have to force themselves. Now the sh I live. Uh, Nearby, where the Sharman Mitsuyana Bahalacha used to live, uh, Brown uh, used to be. The, he wrote the sefer called the Sharman Mitsuyana Bahalacha, and he was one of the Paiskim in Flatbush when I was a little younger. And he's where we used to go to ask Shilas. And he said in his sefer, and it was brought down in many other svarim. But he brings has a collection of uh, in his Sharman Mitsuyana He brings a number of of svarim that say that just like there's a mitzvah, I'm sorry, just like there's an Aveira, even if you don't do the full Aveira, let's say a person eats chazer, chaz v'sholem. So if he eats chazer, chaz v'sholem, he eats a kazayis of chazer, so then he gets the onesh, he gets the punishment. But if, well, let's say he has a nibble of chazer, just a nibble, just a didge at the edge, he touches a little bit of it, puts it in his mouth. What's the halacha? The lacha is, it's usr, we were saying, from the Torah. Torah says you can't eat any pig, even a little drop of it. But the Aveira, the full Aveira, you didn't get. So, so, so too, says the, so the Svarim say, for a mitzvah, maybe you don't get the full, if you don't eat the full shear, maybe you don't get the full mitzvah, but you're involved in the mitzvah. So even if you can't eat the kezayas, then you could then you could eat a little bit. A bracha you shouldn't make if you only have a nibble, but something of the matzah, even a little teeny piece, is being involved in the mitzvah of achilas matzah on the night of Pesach. I had a very interesting shear. I'm not going to go through it now. That according to some, you could take a little, 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 little bit of flour. I mean, wheat flour, we talked about before making matzahs, right? And use it with rice flour, because rice is only kidneys. Svadim eat kidneys. And Ashkenazim, it's only a mini. And to get the mitzvah of matzah, they could do it. And it seems that you might be yotze if you mix it together with rice flour, this little bit of white wheat. So if a person has a real problem eating wheat, 
He's not allowed to because of the gluten. It's dangerous, but maybe he's allowed to have a teeny weeny amount. And if you make a rice bread, matzah, with a little bit of this uh, uh, flour, the, 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 you know, you know, you know, making it uh, into a matzah. I don't know what it tastes like. It probably is not interesting at all. But you might be making the mitzvah. Again, this I'll leave to other other people to paskin. I heard it in the Shia recently. Maybe somebody else heard it. It's a very interesting uh, concept. The point is, do part of the mitzvah, even if you can't do it completely. But as my, my Rebbe, Rav Hashem and Zatzal taught us, don't make a bracha unless you're sure you're going to have a kezayis. If not, listen to somebody else's bracha. He, he didn't have in, the, in his seder, he, he said, I make the bracha and you don't have to break the brachas. Listen to it. Because he didn't want to make anybody feel that they didn't fulfill the mitzvah or they forced them to eat, overeat or whatever it is. He, that's how he handled it with the brachos. Many people are not that way. And I think in the Siddharma that I usually am involved in, usually we uh, have everybody make a bracha themselves, except, of course, the bracha of achilles matzah, because then you, you need shleimim, you need it all together. Okay, so that I understand. But the rest of the matzah, amoru, etc., like that, I think everybody else makes. An interesting question. And um, so, again, I, I rushed over it a little bit. Really, you and I should shoot for three or four minutes. We're not able to make that two minutes so easily. Three, four minutes we should be shooting for. But understand, as Rav Shimonat is at Sal taught us, that, that the, uh, we, you don't have to go overboard on it because we gave you a double kazayas. And Rav Shimon held that, that, that then we get a double zman because you're not eating a kazayas in three, four minutes and the other kazayas in three, four minutes, and that's what you're doing. That's how he understood it. And if somebody disagrees, okay, fine, but don't make everybody crazy about this thing. You want to be, you know, pushing for that two-minute matzah, call a kavod. But don't bother other people at the table. They have nine minutes, or they have four minutes, or at least according to Reb Shimon, if you give them a big fat one, maybe they have eight minutes, six minutes, but they have plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Just teach them to, to chew well before they start swallowing. Chew a lot. Keep it in your mouth a little bit. And if they need to, to drink water. If they go, if you hold it, that's okay. Or to dip it in water if, they, if you need to, and if you, if, you, if you hold, that's okay. All right. That's the basic mitzvah of matzah, except for one big thing. We got the matzah, which matzah were chose. We decided that we, had, we paid for it. We gave it as a gift to anybody that needed it at Seder. We, we explained how much you have to eat. We explained... Uh, how much time you have to do it in. And now we're left with a big question. The men are supposed to recline. This separates, I don't want to say the men from the boys. Look, I'm around a, a few years, and I've seen a lot of people do Haseba, and I've seen a lot of people that do questionable Haseba, and it's a big problem. First of all, nobody that I know naturally reclines when they're eating. You know, I mean, I mean, I can imagine somebody being very tired and he's lying down and he's thirsty and somebody says he brings him some for a drink, so he's maybe he'll be <laughs> reclining like that. 
but this is not the way he's normally uh, does he eats anything we're not trained that way we're not used to it it has nothing to do for us yet in the old days yes there was a concept of a free person and there were people eating that way on a Tuesday and a regular day, a weekday, you go over to somebody's house, uh, a person, and that's how he was eating. Nobody, except that the Seder, does this Haseba. But it's brought in all the Svarim. You can stand on your head. It's brought in all the Svarim that if a man does not recline, he does not properly do Haseba, he has to redo the mitzvah. He has to redo the mitzvah. It isn't done. And that's for the drinking, the, the, the kosos, and, the, and for having the kashir, uh, the kazayas of the matzah, etc. Afi Komen. He has to do it. There's no, there's nothing in the kairach he has to do it that way. There's no way, there's no way out. You can't get around from this. You know, you must do the reclining. So how is it done? Now, I wish this was a video. Maybe there's maybe there are videoing it, but I, I don't think I'll be able to describe the physically to show it to you here where, tonight. And I tried to look around for somebody who does describe it, and I'll be able to see uh, pictures up close. I have seen from my rebellion, and I have discussed it with people, and I have learned it, and I learned the halacha, and I'm going to learn the halacha with you right now. Even though I don't have the safe in front of me, I have a few words here that I scribbled down. It says, in, it's discussed in Shulchan Aruch, in Tafayin Beis, Sivkot and Zion, in the Mishnah Brewer. And it's talking about how we recline. And there are four conditions that the Mishnah Brewer brings down. Number one, Roishai Muta Litzad Smol. So it has to be that the head is going in the direction of the left, left side. We know that if you eat on the right side, it's dangerous. You might swallow something and go down the wrong pipe. Okay, we understand that. So it has to be towards the left. But he uses the words roisho muta, that is the head is inclining that way. And people say, and it's brought down, that it should be roisho muta really means roisho verubo. It means his whole body. It doesn't mean just his head. You just don't move your head uh, on your shoulders a little bit to the left and, and eat that way. That's certainly not even uh, going to be nicker that you're doing anything different. That looks exactly the way that you eat every single day. There's nothing there. So that's not what it means. It doesn't mean just to move your head. It's Roisho Verubo, the majority of his torso. That means he's really leaning. Now, that has to be the most uncomfortable position to be in. Could you imagine davening Shimon Esrei that way? Lean to your left. I mean, please, how long could you sit stand like that? And how long could you sit like that, leaning to your left, and you're putting food in your mouth, and you are ex it's excruciating. First of all, it, there isn't, it, there's no, I don't understand how to be Derek Harris. It couldn't be showing you that you're a free man. Because you, look at the grimace on his, look at his face. You can see right away he's not happy. In, in no way is he happy. It's not the sign of anything. Uh, it looks like he's, he's forced into it. Maybe stand to your left. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right? It's a zero. And, and the halakha says this. That's not it. You missed it. So then what is it? So it, 
it, it seems to be that you have to have the other conditions. So we've got the direction. Yes, the left is the direction. We know that it has to be the body, it's not the head. But you don't just stick yourself out to the left. There's something else going on here. So number two, the Mishnah Brewer brings down. Almita or al-tsafsal. You're on a, a bed or on a bench. Not a regular kise. It's a safsal or a mita. And that would mean you are lying down. But we're going to make a variation here. But it could mean lying down. And some people do have huge easy chairs or small sofas, and they bring it to the table for one person. Well, what about the other people there? Okay, the women are exempt. But what about the other the men? Well, this is Tati where it does this. Well, if Tati does this, what does, the, you know, the younger buckle who is going to be the Tati someday, what is he supposed to do? And what about the guest who came in, was nice enough to come to your Seder and expected to have more than just, a, a, you know, a soup? He, wanted, he was expecting to have the whole Seder. And, and what do you expect him to do? So you've got to address all the men at the, at the Seder, not just Tati, who was leaning on, a, found that one couch that you happen to have. So, yes, it does say in Shulchan Aruch, in the Mishnah Berurah, Mito o Safsal. Now, I, I was going to look up and see about Safsal. I, I didn't do research. Truthfully, it's something that I believe Ned will try to do. You won't hear it from me. And you could do it. And if anybody gets some good information, I want you to share with me. I want my, my regulars to share with me. Tell me, what do you know about this Safsal? It's not a mita, it's not a bed. And it's, it's definitely, uh, a, you know, it's a seating, it's not for seating. In fact, if you look in the Gemara and Brachas, you'll see that they use a safsalim, is the, what they used to sit on in the yeshiva. So it, it's a bench, and it, and, it, and it has more than one person on it. And it's not kind of a bunch of people. So it doesn't sound so appetizing, but it, it is something that if no one else is on the safsal, you could lie down. So definitely that was what they were heading for. Okay, number three in the Mishnah Brewers. Korim Tachas Rosho. He has pillows under his head. And this is one of the biggies. And you got to listen to it again. Korim Tachas Rosho. So, one of the methods that I was trained in, and I don't know if they're, if they're, if they're viewing this or not, I don't know, but is that you put a chair next to your chair, and then you lean on that other little chair, and that and that creates a leaning situation. It's not your regular regular safsal, but it's certainly like on a big uh, couch or a big uh, or a big chair, easy chair, because you're leaning to the left side, leaning over the over the edge of this uh, or the back of this chair. What I do is I turn that chair sideways. I'm facing forward, and the chair that on my left-hand side is facing towards my left. And I'm putting my hand over its back, and I'm leaning on that. So ideally, I would have thought you'd put some, uh, some uh, pillows under your arm, over, draped over the chair, and that would be the way you would recline on the safsal, or in this case, next to my chair. And by the way, these chairs, this extra chair allows for many men to be able to do the same thing. They have an extra chair and the extra chair. It doesn't take up so much space. And they're small chairs. 
But that's not what it says. It says, Takas Roishoi. It should be under his head. So what we do, I mean, this is me. Other people could differently. We, what I do is I have this chair on the left-hand side, and I usually put some pillows over it because you want to be, you want to feel good. <laughs> but, but then you have to support your head, so there's usually a pillow under your head, and you're leaning on the pillow, and the pillow is leaning on your arm, and the arm is leaning on some other pillows. That's over a chair. That's a very interesting sight. Baruch Hashem, they don't take pictures on Yom Tov. <laughs> But it, 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 is, uh, it is relaxing enough, and, uh, and that's how we eat, at least, at least what I do. You can do something different. I've, I've spoken to some people, and they, they do other kinds of things, a little bit leaning to the back and to the left. Maybe they turn their body a little bit and lean towards the back of their chair, towards the left. It seems like it's, it's a hard thing to avoid uh, going backwards and going to, and making sure you're going to the left. At least in my method, I know I'm going to the left. I'm doing what I'm doing. Smile. And they feel that uh, the back on an easy chair is better than what I'm doing. And everybody, again, whatever they were taught or they whatever they can do, but don't do it just leaning in thin air. That is not appropriate. There's no source for that. Definitely not. In the Gemara, it talks about if you haven't got anything else to lean on, you lean on your next door neighbor's lap, which means you're like falling over on the side. I don't know how you do all this because the next one is the hardest part of the entire thing. You got the case of the direction left. Second thing the Mishnah Brewer says is going to be a mita or a safsal. Okay, so. Maybe we maybe we did that. Maybe hopefully, the third one is Karim Tachas Roisho, putting some kind of pillow under his head. So hopefully we did that one too. But the last one is really hard. The last thing that the Mishnah Brewer says is it has to be Eitzel Hashulchan. This whole contraption, you and the chair and the leaning back. And that this, when I, all this stuff with the with the pillows, with the soft soul, with the the whole business has to be next to the table. You have to be eating directly from the table. You're not supposed to take a plate, lean back, decide this, da da, and then eat that way. You're supposed to be Eitzel Hashulchan. It's supposed to be part of the thing. Now, in the in those countries where they really do recline like this, they have low tables. Our tables aren't low. And if you do all this leaning, reclining, this and that, it's very hard to get it that you're actually at the table. That's a real hard one. And it says it in this form. Without that, it may not be good. So the thing that I do keeps me at the table. So that's a good sign. And I have the, I have all, I think I have all the conditions, and I didn't make it up myself. But uh, I, I don't tell you that I have the only answer. And if you were trained differently, Continue to do what you were trained. The only thing I suggest is if you were just leaning off into the left field without anything underneath you, that's not called reclining. That's not called hasebe. It has to be leaning on something. That's olive base, shaba olive base of this whole toy. So this is, gives, a, gives you a little bit of something to think about. It has to be 
you're that you're reclining like where the way something similar to what lying down on the couch would have been and that's uh that's the basics of it so i think we went through the basic mitzvah of of the uh of, of the one halacha we discussed which is how to eat a piece of matzah at the seder and uh i, I think that we took care of all the issues one thing i'm not sure we said clearly i want to just make sure we understand it that when you make the bracha whoever makes the bracha on achilas matzah you should have in mind for all the parts for the you know for the two uh that we were referring to in the top matzah the middle matzah for the kairach which is the bottom matzah and the, and the safun, which is the matzah that we don't have now, which we're going to have at the time of the afikom, and the bracha, because there is a machlekes, what is the real mitzvah of matzah? The eating matzah on the night of Pesach was done al matzah It was eaten together with matzah and maro, which is the way you have it, like karach is like sort of a, a reminiscent of it. But also, it was brought at the end of the seder, it was nechal al soiva. The korban pesach was eaten after you had eaten other food before. You had eaten the shlomim, and now you had a little room left to get the mitzvah of korban pesach and matzah and mora. So you, you had a little room left, and you were going to do it then. So that's the time to eat it. So the matzah that we have is supposed to be what was eaten at the time of the of the of the korban pesach, which was the end of the meal, not in the beginning of the meal. So according to Rajbam, that's the Iker Mitzvah, and we are choishish for that, and therefore we go actually force you to eat another big, big, giant kezayis because we're choishish that that may be the real din. So we don't know. We don't really know how we get the mitzvah, but with all that, we get a lot. Now, the last thing on this, I got to be careful what I say now, but this is a, but I, but I, again, I, this is what I, what I saw, that it's very important to, in some way, enjoy the Suda. Women work very hard, and whatever you have during the Suda, because you had all this matzah and mora and karpas, and, and you know you're going to have to eat safon, and it's all, And this year it's very tight because it's going to be late, and if you have hold from chatzais, it's going to be, you have to finish early, it's going to be a big pressure. So at least whatever you eat, express the appreciation, because it's uh, the women worked very hard for Pesach. You can't imagine how much they work for Pesach, and uh, that's the time we can best appreciate it at that time. And listen, even if you don't eat a lot, it's, it goes along with the matzah and the marah. I mean, uh, you're going to appreciate what you do eat, even if you don't have a big deal. Some people eat a big meal. Some people, I can't eat a big meal at that time. I've eaten all this other stuff that I'm trying to do. This is you know, a little bit, and that's enough for me. Anyway, let's go on. We have a few more minutes, and I wanted to share with you the mitzvah of Mara. Um, you know, this is a, an alternate mention also about Mara. Mara is a, is a hard one, and it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons Mara is hard is because people intentionally want to eat this horseradish, and they want to have their minigiz to leave the horseradish covered the entire time and take it out either the beginning of the Seder or somewhere during the Seder and the 
it's very hard to eat it then. And they said, because you have to have some marivas for this. Well, a lot of people, including including Gedoli Israel, used to eat the they used to eat the uh, the the Romanian lettuce. Robert Cutler's Zatzal used to eat iceberg lettuce, and you know that's not moro. It's not that bitter. It's not bitter at all. In fact, I wanted them to try to make bitter ones. I went to one of the companies. Somebody came to me last year and asked me to try to see if we can get bitter ones because they can grow it and make it bitter. But they refuse to. They don't want to. People won't like it. They're not going to try it. They don't, they're not interested in going there. So <laughs> here you have the people eating the romaine lettuce, and uh, they're not having a bitterness. And only horseradish, which is questionable whether this is really the one, is, is the real one of the meaning that we really is really uh, mora, because uh, it doesn't fit some of the categories that you need for mora. In any event, if you're eating that, um, uh, personally, I recommend that you eat the romaine lettuce also, because that you could easily get if it's the mitzvah. If it's the mitzvah, it's a lot easier to eat it and the time that you require, etc. If you want to eat the the horseradish, I would recommend leaving it open enough that you could be able to eat the kazayas whether in the proper time of the two to four four minutes without making yourself crazy and and pulling your hair out. But if that's what you like and you and you and you can do it, call a kavod. But there are other people at the table, so either everyone should have some have some romaine lettuce for the shear, and that, then afterwards or before have the other mara, have the horseradish, or leave it open enough that people could actually swallow it and it wouldn't uh, it'd be impossible for them. Because we talk about old and sick, you don't have to be old and sick to find it difficult to eat horseradish. I'm afraid to say it on the on the radio. Baruch Hashem is not the radio. We're talking on now. It's internet. It's a telephone. Maybe I could say it. When I was a kid, when they handed out the horseradish, I couldn't eat it. I put it in my pocket. They never found out. <laughs> I don't think my parents ever found out about it. But that's what I did. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. So I, I don't recommend it to, to, to stoop the people to have pangs and you know if you want to do it and definitely it definitely elicits a, a feeling of, of marivas there's no question about it but but the question is is it overly done is it derech achila is it what what is the what's the status so i i think people should think a little bit about that whatever your minig is continue and hug i'm not trying to take anybody's minig away but just to think about that issue and to make sure that you do eat some more because you're making a bracha on it, you eat more, some more in the proper zman. Because if, if you don't eat the horseradish, enough of it, which is a lot, and a jigger filled with that is powerful. If it hasn't been uh, left open for a long time, it's very powerful. And most people can't eat it in the required time. And uh, in they also don't chew it, which is, or maybe it's a question of if you boil it without chewing, it's not a question of that's eat or not. So it's really a, a, a question on the whole method of the horseradish, and people should, you know, discuss it with your rabbanim. Don't don't rely on anything I told you. I just was more has raised the question. Do whatever you did before, or ask your rabbanim. At least you now you know a little bit about matzah and moror. And a little bit about uh, 
a seba. There's no a seba for more. And a little bit about Kairach, a little bit about Afikomen. So it's not the Gansa Seder. If you want to, you get a copy of my magazine. You can go through the whole Seder, see what the Mishnah Bruce said on it. The, the Kashas Magazine's uh, 2019 Passover Guide. Um, best is if you call us, we can get it over to you in a day or two. And still time for Pesach. You can call us at 718 336 8544. Again, 718 336-8544, or you can email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Just the way it sounds, kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. If you want to, you can leave a credit card information on there, and we charge you the $6, and we'll get it over to you. If you're in Brooklyn, maybe we'll be able to get somebody to drop it off. If not, we'll mail it to you. It'll get there in a day or two. So if you want still to get it, uh, let us know. Um, if you have a subscription, you'll be getting it on your, on your own. And um, next week, we are having our guest here, Rabbi uh, Rabinowitz from the OU, who is going to be discussing um, the different products for Pesach. Now, it's, it's helpful if you want to send in an email to me uh, for any questions that you'd like to answer. This way, we wouldn't be interrupted. Seven, you can either leave a message on my machine, 718 336 8544, or you can email me at kashvis at aol.com. Any question for Rabinowitz, or you can call in next week. The number is calling in. You can keep a scribble it down now 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. And uh, we would love to have your call in questions. Good old days, we used to be bombarded. If we're not, we have plenty to talk about. And But if you do call in, uh, I know Rabbi Rabinowitz would enjoy it. I would enjoy it. And uh, it doesn't have to be a shocking question. Anything you really want to discuss, dealing with the products next week um, at the same time at 6 to 7. Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, wishing you a wonderful week and easy preparation for Pesach. Don't worry, it's going to come, and everything's going to be going to work out perfectly. So, uh we prepare for Pesach in peace and happiness. And we'll speak next week in Yetzirah.